3: thanks a lot linda linda would be linda thomas greenfield and she is joe biden's uh, appointee uh, to ambassador to the united nations an organization by the way that we should have quit and kicked out of the country a long time ago But anyway, this is what she told the National Action Network that she is going to be telling the world.
4: It means not forgetting our past or ignoring our present, but keeping both firmly in mind as we push for a better future. I tried to do this recently in the U.N. General Assembly when I spoke on the International Day for the Elimination of Racial Discrimination. That day and commemoration was personal for me. So I told the UN some personal stories. I told them how my great grandmother, Mary Thomas, born in 1865, was the child of a slave just three generations back from me. I grew up in the segregated South. I was bused to a segregated school. On weekends, the Klan burned crosses on lawns in our neighborhood. I shared these stories and others to acknowledge on the international stage that I have personally experienced one of America's greatest imperfections. I've seen for myself how the original sin of slavery weaved white supremacy into our founding documents and principles. But I also shared these stories to offer up an insight, a simple truth I've learned over the years. Racism is not the problem of the person who experiences it. Those of us who experience racism cannot and should not internalize it, despite the impact it can have on our everyday lives. Racism is the problem of the racist, and it is the problem of the society that produces the racist. And in today's world, that's every society. In America, that, that takes many forms. It's the white supremacy that led to the senseless killing of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Amon Aubrey, and so many other black Americans. It's the spike in hate crimes over the past three years against Latino Americans, Sikh, Muslim Americans, Jewish Americans, and immigrants. And it's the bullying, discrimination, brutality, and violence that Asian Americans face every day, especially since the outbreak of COVID-19. That's why the Biden administration has made racial equity a top priority across the entire government. And I'm making it a real focus of my tenure at the U.S. Mission to the United Nations.
3: Well, of course, what she just said is a hot, steaming pile of horse manure. And when we come back, we're going to tell you why. Stick around. It's finally time to replace that old leaky roof, or how about some new siding? You can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, windows, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Maybe you lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows R Us offers 12 months, no interest financing, and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office? Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, and composite. And how'd you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding or roof replacement. That offers valid through 6-30-21. All with 12 months, no interest, no processing fee, and backed by the best warrant in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windows or us, pittsburgh.com That's windows or us, pittsburgh.com
5: Sounds and mounds of fur. Our
6: hairballs have hairballs. Our cat mama, she's 10 years old. She has dandruff and an oily coat.
4: I have two cats, BP and Daisy. Daisy sheds like crazy. If you love your pets as much as I do, you'll want to do what's best for them, to live long, healthy, happy lives
5: Even switch one little thing, they put their nose up to it. There was not one problem. Dynavite for life.
0: You won't believe how happy your cat will be i n o v i t e dot Hi, my name is Ryan Born,
5: and I'm Danica Born, and, and we're, we're the, the owners, owners of South
0: Coast, Coast tax. tax. We would like to thank our Lord for protecting us from evil. Psalm 91 states, "He is my refuge and my fortress; for He will rescue us from every trap and protect us from deadly disease."
5: South Coast Tax are Christian-based tax accountants and attorneys who specialize in releasing bank levies, wage garnishments, and filing complex tax returns. We are the leaders in acceptance of offers and compromise with awesome results.
2: We are all
0: Numbers one 800
1: 1176 2021 is the perfect time to add a healthy new habit to your daily wellness routine. Good nasal hygiene. We all know there's bad stuff in the air. Allergens, bacteria, viruses, and that some of it's very dangerous. So what can you do to protect yourself? Well, you can clean your nose with Navage. Your nose is the body's air filter. And with Navage, you help your body defend itself by flushing out the crud and germs. I'm Martin Hoke, and I invented Navaj, the world's only nose cleaner with powered suction. Navage is easy to use, affordable, and it has over 40,000 online reviews, averaging 4.7 stars. Join millions of Navaj users to relieve congestion and allergies, breathe better, sleep deeper, snore less, and feel healthier without drugs. At Navage.com, CVS, Walgreens, Bed Bath, Target, and Rite Aid. You wash your hands and brush your teeth every day. Let 2021 be the year you start cleaning your nose with Navage. N-A-V-A-G-E. Clean nose, healthy life. Navage. Warning.
2: Listening to this program may expose you to toxic masculinity.
0: The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250.
3: The Answer. Well, Saying that uh, America is a bad and racist country founded on slavery and white supremacy is nothing new. It's been going on for a while now. Now it's actually, I guess you could call it a Democrat talking point. So when a Democrat uh, appoints an African American woman to the United Nations uh, to the job of uh, United Nations ambassador, it's a pretty good chance that that's the message that's going to be sent to the world, and that's the message being delivered by Linda Thomas Greenfield. We just played you the clip uh, before the break here. Ryan P. Williams is president of the Claremont Institute, and he's here with details on just how wrong she is. Ryan, thanks for being here.
5: Uh, my pleasure. Good to be here.
3: So I uh, I saw the piece you wrote for Newsweek, I think it was back in July, and I saved it. Um because it was so much there was so much good stuff in there, uh as it applies to this uh theory. Uh, and when I heard her comments I immediately thought of the piece you wrote. So where would you like to start with what she's been out there? I'm assuming you you know what she's saying, and if you don't, it's the usual stuff.
5: Yeah, yeah. Well we can yeah, we can start with that. I mean her her thesis, as you said, you're, you're correct. It's really the thesis of the Democratic Party now, or it was, it's was. it been a long time thesis of the leading edge of the left in America, and, and they've now captured the Democratic Party utterly. Uh, and it's that racism is woven into the founding documents of America. It's the same thesis as the uh, 1619 Project at the New York mm-hmm. Times as well. Uh, I mean, its goal is really to alienate Americans from their love of country and to uh, use it as a wedge to divide and conquer politically. Uh, it's also just wrong. I mean, it's it's incorrect. Uh, we had slavery at our founding. Everyone knows that. Uh, but the founding of America, uh, in the first instance, is really the Declaration of Independence, which declares from the outset, uh, despite the existence of slavery, that slavery was in principle wrong, that all men are created equal, that uh, something is arbitrary, it's skin color, it can't be the basis for The deprivation of rights. Now, slavery existed, and we had to compromise with it and put in place a federal government that was powerful enough to do something about it eventually. But union had to be secured first, and that meant, unfortunately, compromising with with the slave states and deferring that principle for later fulfillment. So uh, America has always been, in principle, uh, to use a term from the left, anti-racist. It has never embraced race as the basis for the rights of citizenship in principle uh mm-hmm. but uh, in practice that took a long time to to work out
3: so so the choice at the time was a union with slavery or no union right
5: correct and the founders thought that um you know if if you if you let the union not come into being uh you continue to be divided we'd become the playthings of european powers uh we wouldn't be able to secure uh the rights of any Americans, let alone eventually all Americans, regardless of skin color. So union was the, the, the highest priority. And, uh, it's, you know, it's an older way of thinking. It's a, it's a way of thinking prudentially, which is to say, how do I do the most good I can now? And they made the judgment that the most good they could do at the time was a union with slavery uh, and to put into place the, the authority to deal with it down the road. And they all expected it and hoped, well, I mean, not every every man, of course, but the majority of the founders, especially anyone in any real position of public authority, uh, really thought that it would eventually be placed on the road to ultimate extinction, to use their phrase, and then Lincoln would take this phrase up later. Uh, Yeah. and, uh, And, you know, events and technology made that more difficult. You know, the cotton gin came around and made it vastly more profitable, and then everyone's interests got wrapped up in the... Mm-hmm. And the continuation. Yeah, of I was going to ask you, uh, about
3: the I wanted to ask you uh, what took so long. I'll get to that in a second. But, um, you know, it <laughs> yeah. is kind of the, it, it seemed to be kind of the, um, the obligation of historians, or if not historians, at least the people in power who like to base decisions or attitudes on history to put things into context. They seem to have a problem doing that. I mean, that was 250 years ago. They were trying to form a country um, at the time of the Declaration of Independence. Uh, it was total chaos, um, and it was um, it, they did what they had to do at the time. But you know, 250 years later, people seem to have trouble understanding that for some reason.
5: Yeah, and you know, it's it's often forgotten and seldom taught that uh, in the original draft of the Declaration of Independence. Jefferson had in there a condemnation of the king uh, for bringing the slave trade and the condemnation in principle of, of slavery and the, the calling of it barbarous and, and evil. Um, even, you know, and the, the really the, the most common trope you hear these days as well is that, well, of course they were racist. There's the three-fifths clause. It meant they thought blacks were three-fifths of a human being. Uh, right. But the context of that clause, that original compromise, which would count Three fifths of all slaves for matters of representation in the House—that uh, is, the, the House of Representatives. The, the slave states wanted to count ev- slave; every slave as one person, so that they'd have more political power. But the uh, the compromise was to reduce the political power of the South uh, by reducing the amount of representatives they would send based on the population of slaves. So it had nothing to do with the humanity of the slaves, but everything to do with lessening the power of the slave slavery interest. Uh, yeah, also and is there, never taught in our schools?
3: Is there anything more misunderstood than that in this whole discussion than the, than the three fifths clause? Because, I mean, I see and hear um, lots of pretty smart people using that as a uh, to condemn the founders, and it's not that hard to do a little research to find out exactly why, as you just pointed out. They did it, and it, and the fact that it made it less likely for slavery to succeed because they did it. There are lots of uh, uh, people speaking uh, for, for black groups uh, uh, politically who, who throw that three-fifths thing out there all the time. It's just the, the slam-dunk condemnation of the country as being racist because they only considered blacks three-fifths human, and it has nothing to do with it.
0: Yeah,
5: that's correct. I mean, it's an easy bumper sticker. It's why people use it so much as a as a blunt instrument to uh, bash people who like the founding and like America's founding. But uh, And there's, you know, our people, people on the right, politicians and otherwise, are, are too scared often at the racism charge. And this this charge as well, uh, as a cousin of the racism charge, that they just they don't stand up and say, no, this is a lie. This is not true. Um, because they're, they're cowed into submission by, you know, this powerful weapon in our modern society of, of denouncing you as a racist. And, you know, to even to disagree with a black speaker who speaks about the Three-Fifths Clause that way, I, I think people feel intimidated. So it's, it's, uh, it's another reason why it's not refuted often enough.
3: And you mentioned that, uh, and we're talking to Ryan Williams, he's president of the Claremont Institute. Um, he wrote a piece at Newsweek uh, back in July about... Uh, these the claims that America is a racist country are uh, based on the fact that the founders owned slaves, and uh, that that which, as I said, has become a talking point for the Democrats now. But I th- is him uh, talking about Jefferson um, blaming the British uh, isn't that kind of a major point that there was no USA until 1776, and uh, and and breaking from the British was the first step toward ending slavery, and so that to say that go back to 1619. It's almost, it's beyond ignorant to think that there was any such thing as the United States of America back then.
5: Yeah, it's to, uh, that's right. And it was to misunderstand the political act of the Declaration of Independence and that articulation for the first time of we, the people of the United States, that was really, that is our real founding uh, as a matter of political philosophy and, and, and just as a matter of fact. I mean, there were, there were British subjects before that in various colonies and they would become the American people, but it was that deliberate act in the declaration that inaugurated the American people. Uh, And within that document is about as good a principled denunciation of slavery as you can get. And the, uh, the acknowledgement that uh, all the other common thing too, is is you can read the founders across the founders. And it's very clear that even though there was slavery, they were under no illusions that, that black slaves in America were equally human to whites and that that meant that they were entitled to the same rights as a matter of principle and nobody was confused about that or argued the contrary.
3: And so what about the argument that that uh, Washington and Jefferson uh, continued to own slaves until their deaths uh, even though they were on record as uh, being strongly opposed to it?
5: Yeah I mean you know it's we shouldn't whitewash any of this of course they were slaveholders um, Washington's, you know, owning ownership of his slaves was wrapped up in the estate with his wife, so the ones that he could free upon his death he did. Um and we can admit that they were imperfect. I mean Jefferson they were they were his property and he was continuously in debt. And so uh would if he had been a better steward of his finances, uh and had he found a way to manumit his slaves or free his slaves, uh should he have, sure. Um, so we don't have to say they're demigods, but we, we should be honest about what they wrote and what they meant uh, and acknowledge that they were imperfect and they didn't uh, they didn't immediately solve the problem even in their own uh, estates and households. And that's fine. We should be honest about that. But we shouldn't lie about American history and to say that America was in principle racist and that all American prosperity has been built on racism and slavery, which is the argument of the 1619 Project and I think the implicit argument of uh, of the uh, the ambassador to the UN under Biden, uh, that's just it's a, it's a lie and it's it's a lie with a political purpose, which is to to cultivate hatred of America in order to uh, facilitate the transformation of America uh, with a new new vision. And the ironic thing is, the new vision of America, as those of us I'm sure your listeners are well versed on this, they listen to you and read widely, and are smart people. That new vision of America ironically enough the one that's built on the denunciation of America as racist uh, wants uh, a new sort of racial case system uh, in the, in the place of the Declaration of Independence and the principle that all men are created equal um, so it's uh, it's a weird yeah, you, sort of turnabout yeah
3: yeah can you explain what do you mean by that Ryan that uh, yeah the, I mean the intersectionality the, um, the identity and-
5: yeah, the identity politics that's at the core of the project of the modern left. Uh, mm-hmm. it, I mean, they say very explicitly, a colorblind constitution uh, is racist. It's, that's, a, that's a manifestation of white supremacy. Neutral principles that don't take account of race, that's racist and white supremacy. So what do we have? in instead, we, want, we need to count by race, and we need to bring up the formerly oppressed and elevate them over their former oppressors, which means counting people by their skin color, uh, and giving them honors and privileges based on that, uh, basically bringing that racial genie back out of the bottle uh, and using it for good um, rather than uh, rather than having a neutral principle, equal protection of the laws, regardless of skin color, they want the unequal protection of laws uh, based on retribution for past oppression as they judge it and as they allocate blame and uh, based on skin color and and, uh, or sexual identity or anything else.
3: What's the significance of uh, neither the word slaves nor slavery appearing in the text of the Constitution, which it does not, neither word?
5: Yeah, Madison's the best guide on this. Um, he, I mean, he wrote about it. Um, he said they, they did not want to imply anywhere in the document that there was something right or just about slavery. And so they wanted to keep that word out of the document so that when the time came, uh, you wouldn't have to, you would just excise the compromises with slavery and you wouldn't have to change any more of the text. So to admit that a that man could hold property and man rightly, they did not want to, uh, they did not want to have that be a possible reading of the declaration. They wanted to emphasize that really the only way slavery existed was in sort of legal term uh, and political philosophical term, in positive law uh, it was, but slavery existed in positive law, of course it existed in the slave states and, and it did for a long time thereafter but it was never uh, it was never a right thing that existed either in divine law or natural law as they understood it
3: I've, I've never really seen a, a good um, study or a, um, a depiction of what would have happened if on july 5th 1776 or say uh... sometime in seventeen ninety after the the um, the uh... When, when the constitution was ratified that slavery would have ended you know on a tuesday morning just okay all the slaves are free what might have happened if they had tried to do that
5: that's a good question uh, they debated it quite a bit um, you know, a big worry was, okay, you have this population that's that's existed as slaves uh, for you know uh, more than a few generations. Even at the founding, you free them all immediately. What do you you know What happens then? And there was there was much discussion about that. Um, you know, Abraham Lincoln later would would contemplate the possibility of you know you have this subject population. You free them all can they really live as fellow citizens with their former masters? I mean, that's a sticky question. And it it does, it doesn't um, dispute at all the justice of freeing slaves and the justice of not owning other men. Uh, But then what do you do with them is, is tough. Um, And it was something that was, you know, the Freedmen's Bureau after the civil war meant to try to help with this problem. Um, You know, you have to, uh, you have an obligation then to make sure that, that uh, self-government continues and that the welfare of these uh, poor souls who used to be enslaved is looked after, after, after they're immediately freed. I mean, uh, you know, they have to be able to support themselves and, and all the rest. So it was a, it was a complicated issue and the founders were kind of unsure of what to do about that. And, you know, uh, there was, there was really a a real fear of um, there was a slave rebellion in Haiti in which all the masters were killed. Uh, that was very much on the minds of Jefferson and the rest. Um, and uh, you know jefferson Jefferson famously said, "You know, I, I tremble for my country when I think that that God is just, and he he can't side with us on this question of the rightness of slavery. He'd have to side with the slaves. so it's uh, like like most things in human affairs and in politics, there was no easy solution, and I think the history after the Civil War in America is a, is a good illustration of of us struggling with that difficult. Uh, and
3: question. it's uh, I'm I'm out of time, uh, Ryan. But uh, it's it's really lazy on the part of the people who make these claims, uh, and really disingenuous. But well, I, I appreciate you coming in uh, to uh, clear it up for our listeners. Thanks. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Okay, that's Ryan P. Williams. He's president of the Claremont Institute. That's uh, ClaremontInstitute.org. We'll be right back.
5: With SRN News, I'm John Scott. In
1: Minneapolis, courtesy of Court TV, we hear Prosecutor Jerry Blackwell and Defense Attorney Eric Nelson tell Judge Peter Cahill they are finished presenting their cases in the
5: murder trial of former Officer Derek Chauvin in the death of George Floyd. Your Honor, the state
2: of Minnesota rest. Mr. Nelson, anything further? No, hey, Members of the jury, the evidence is now complete for this case. Uh, next step for you is to listen to closing arguments, and then retire for deliberations. That will occur on Monday.
5: Earlier today, the defense rested its case without putting Chauvin on the stand. In Brooklyn, center Minnesota, a white former police officer has
1: had her first court appearance in the traffic stop shooting of black motorist Dante Wright. Kim Potter was charged Wednesday with second-degree manslaughter. The Dow had 279 points, the NASDAQ up 165. This is SRN
0: News. If you're a radio listener, one thing I'm certain of is that you're not tuning in to listen to me. So I'm sorry about the next 45 seconds. But we have specifically chose this station because we think we're similar and we'd love for you to see why our mortgage team might be a good fit for you or someone you care about. One, we've got a direct lender advantage. Our mortgage team is an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender. There's no middleman, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls, an advantage that often allows us to get you a better rate, saving you monthly and lifelong money. Two, our faith is a big deal to us, and we're open about that. If we seem like a fit for you, we'd love to talk. We are United Faith Mortgage.
4: UnitedFaithMortgage.com. Nice.
0: United Faith mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25, Melville Park, Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to AnimalistConsumerAccess.org. Corporate Animalist number 1335. Rack Animalist number 65233. Equal housing lender. Licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah.
2: Dennis Prager
0: believes we're living in two different worlds. At
5: this point, it would appear that. We are drifting to two different United States of America. The free and rational states of America and the Soviet and irrational states of America. Free people should have their own airline, their own Major League Baseball, their own states.
1: The Dennis Prager Show, weekdays at noon, right before Sebastian Gorka at 3
5: on AM 1250. The answer.
3: This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy & Hagerman. Writing an estate plan is one thing. Having the experience to administer the estate is something else. At Abernathy & Hagerman, estate administration isn't a side job. It's what we do. You have the same goals we all do. To protect your assets, to minimize taxes, and ensure your inheritance gets to the ones that you love. How you get there, that's specific to you. So let's talk. Hagerman Law. Legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit
6: a-h.law.
5: Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council.
0: Receive a $5 rebate by trading up
2: any non-contact thermometer toward an exogen temporal scanner purchased at any retailer. With COVID
0: continuing to spread, nothing matters more than having an accurate thermometer that's backed by more than 80 published peer-reviewed clinical studies, like the exogen temporal scanner. Even after getting the COVID vaccine,
2: you should be monitoring for fever to make sure you are protected. Keep your family and yourself safe by trading up your non-contact thermometer for an accurate temporal scanner and a $5 rebate from
0: exergen where accuracy matters details at exergen.com am
2: 1250
1: and fm 92.5 the answer wpgp pittsburgh w223 cs pittsburgh A division of salem media group listen on the answer mobile app. smart speakers tune in iheart or radio.com stuck in traffic we've got the answer
2: Looks like our biggest delay at the moment is the outbound Parkway East Boulevard of the Allies out to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. At least an extra 10 minutes there on the inbound side. Very busy 2nd Avenue to the Fort Pitt Bridge. About 9-minute delay there on the Parkway West. Looking busy both ways around Campbell's Run Road and also on the inbound side. Green Tree to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Outbound 28 Heavy, Butler Street to the Highland Park Bridge. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson.
0: AM 1250. The answer, weather.
1: Tonight we'll see considerable cloudiness with a passing shower. Expect a low tonight of 38. Mostly cloudy skies on tap for tomorrow. Tomorrow's high 51. Mainly cloudy tomorrow night, the low 37. Continued mostly cloudy Saturday. Saturday's high 55. Sunday we'll see times of clouds and sun with a passing shower and a high of 59. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. The John
0: Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer.
3: Well, let's uh, pick up on uh, the theme that we had in our first half hour there, talking about uh, what the the new ambassador to the U.N. is out there telling the world about the United States being founded on racism and being all about white supremacy and um, doing a really bad job of telling uh, the world about our the history of America. Some of the people who are out there uh, selling that horse manure, um, like uh, the founder of one of the founders, she's the co-founder of Black Lives Matter, uh, Patrice Cullers. She describes herself as a Marxist, and uh, she has accumulated. She she hates capitalism. Okay, she's accumulated over three million dollars in luxury real estate, uh, and she told. Uh, she was telling college students last summer that, "quote, capitalism is more tragic than COVID-19." This is someone who is buying up property, a very capitalistic thing to do. Uh, and this is according to uh, um, Campus uh, Reform. Uh, this is this is what she was saying last summer. So in March, she bought a 1.4 million. You probably heard about this. She bought a 1.4 million dollar house in Topanga Canyon in California. That's uh, out near Malibu, which is a pretty swanky place, uh, and it's less than 2% of the, uh, the population is African-American. And um, she also, according to the New York Post, uh, colors also bought a $415,000 uh, home outside of Atlanta. And in 2016, she bought a three-bedroom home in Inglewood for $510,000. You have to wonder where she's getting the money for this stuff. Maybe she's doing speeches and uh who knows, but uh she's doing pretty well for somebody who hates capitalism. In twenty eighteen she picked up a four bedroom house in South LA for five hundred and ninety thousand. Uh so the values of the two properties uh that the, the most recent are those two back in LA, they've appreciated to eight hundred thousand for one of them and seven hundred twenty for the other. That's a million five right there. Now keep in mind that uh this is LA and a seven hundred twenty thousand dollar house is, might actually qualify as a dump in in Western PA. Uh, it's uh, it's not it, it, it's it might be you might buy it for two hundred. I wouldn't say a dump, but you might buy it for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars here uh, in in this area. But it's still she's come up with some uh, means of buying all that real estate, which is okay. She may have come upon it. Uh, no reason to believe she didn't come upon it 100% honestly, but she hates capitalism. And she has four houses. And she's also, the also a story that she's looking at uh, picking up a couple of th- places in uh, Nassau in the Bahamas, and uh, the prices of those are somewhere between 5 and $20 million. So there's a story out there that, that Black Lives Matter raised like $90 million uh, during the summer, during the... Uh, during the George riots, and uh, and that the local chapters are, have been kind of wondering where that money is. They haven't seen much of it, or if any of it. And now you have the person who's in charge of the organization buying four homes. Eh, you know, you gotta, you gotta uh, give them, give them uh, some. Uh, you know, you can't blame them for wanting to know. You know where the money went. Uh, and then in August, uh, uh, Campus Reform had a, had a video out there uh, with the, co- the comments that Colors made. She was speaking at Penn State, and she said, uh, while the COVID-19 illness is tragic, what's more tragic is capitalism and more tragic is racism. What's more tragic is the vulnerability or our, our inability, I should say, to actually create a safety net for communities that are most attacked in the moment by both the crisis and the pandemic of racism, but also the crisis and pandemic of COVID-19. She spoke highly also during that speech of business owners who will take the L, you know, as in losing everything as their property is destroyed in riots so that, quote, Black lives matter someday. Of course, that's making the assumption that black lives don't matter now, which is an idiotic statement for anybody to make, but uh, that's that the organization is founded upon. And uh, she is actually, or was anyway, out there telling people that the owners of these properties would be, it would be nice of them if they would take an L and just let their property be destroyed. Uh, the looting is you know, understandable, justified and uh productive, I guess, so they should just shut up and uh, as she says, take the l then there's this story, and this uh this is the stuff that's out there now, and this is all tied in with America being a racist country, uh Thomas Jefferson and George Washington being evil and uh if you don't if you and here's the problem with that it's one thing to take a look at that uh from a his from, uh, uh, perspective 250 years later and, and form an opinion. But the problem is that the people who form the opinion that this is proof that America is racist, they don't want to hear any other opinions. They don't want to hear any other facts uh, like Ryan Williams just pointed out in our previous segment about some of the things that Jefferson, Washington, Madison, uh, even uh, Alexander Hamilton, Ben Franklin, he quotes all of them in, uh, in the piece that I saw at uh, Newsweek last July, uh, some of the things that they have said, they said at the time and said later. So, anyway, uh, this, so this, here comes this story. This is also from uh, Campus Reform. It says, after discovering uh, what is referred to as anti racism, uh, one University of Nevada, Reno professor is going to stop teaching songs. Are you ready for this? The song that she's going to stop singing, uh, teaching because it's racist? Jingle bells, okay? Jingle Bell. Jingle bells, that one. And Bad Bad Black Sheep. Now, Black Sheep has the word black in it, and I'm sure that they can figure out a way to make that uh, 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 a white supremacist plot, that, that song. I don't, I don't know. I don't have the lyrics in front of me. I don't know what the, uh, what the claim was for Bad Bad Black Sheep, but her name is Kate Pollard. She's a senior music lecturer at the University of Nevada, Reno. And she wrote a, a piece called her anti-racist journey in music education for Nevada Today. That's a, a magazine out there. It's a school's news outlet, so um, it's it's in the it's a publication for the school, University of Nevada Reno. Now she's talking about her first days as a middle school teacher back in the late '90s, and she wrote, "quote I don't think I even knew that these songs what these songs were about." And I'm fairly certain that none of my middle school students asked about their historical context. You know, I remember when I was in school, I was in Catholic school, so we were actually allowed to sing uh, songs that had the word Christmas in it and even you know had the word Jesus in it. Uh, We were allowed to do that, uh, and I guess they can still do do that now in the Catholic schools, But even the public schools were doing it back when I was a kid a million years ago. But uh, she says, I don't think I even knew what these songs were about, and I'm fairly certain that none of my middle school students asked about their historical context. Now, I I don't know why and what I was missing when I was ten and I was in the fifth grade at Saint Bernard's. And if they told us to sing Jingle Bells, if I why didn't I raise my hand and ask Sister Rita Marie? You know, Sister, I kind of like this song, but uh, what exactly is the historical context of Jingle Bells? I mean, I. I don't know why it didn't occur to me when I was in fifth grade to ask that, ask that question, but uh, you know I guess they're asking that now, and if they're not, people like Kate Pollard are making sure that they're told uh, She said that when she quote learned what authenticity and appropriateness it meant in the uh, mid 2000s she began to dive into quote culturally relevant pedagogy that's what uh that's that's what you need more of culturally relevant pedagogy. Uh, she said she realized that, quote, many of the songs I taught as a middle school educator and even as a college educator are not appropriate and even potentially harmful to certain peoples. Examples include Jingle Bells, Shorten and Bread, Polly Wolly Doodle, all of which, according to Pollard, gave links to blackface min- minstrelsy. Now, she told Campus Reform that Jingle Bell. you know, you ready for why j- <laughs> this is why this is why Jingle Bells is a problem. Okay, to make these poor African American kids uh, at Christmas time sing Jingle Bells. All right, uh, this is what uh, Pollard told Campus Reform. Jingle Bells is problematic because she read that quote: slave owners used to put bells on slaves to keep track of them, which the Jingle Bells are referencing. Now, uh, I, I, you know. You want to go with that that's that's fine uh, if you if, if, uh, if you think that's a a legitimate um, association to make between the song and and slavery uh, you know, go ahead, but what does that just say about bells in general I mean is every time somebody rings a bell, could that somehow be a reminder that that put they put bells on slaves when they were trying to find them As, you know if they, in case they escaped uh, it 's a bell uh, it's it 's jingle bells it's it 's Christmas time. And she says, out of all the songs I mentioned in my article, Jingle Bells is probably the most divisive. Maybe it's a, ubiquitous fami- it's, it's a ubiquitous familiarity. Maybe it's associated with Christmas. Either way, many teachers don't want to remove it. Imagine that, a teacher wanting to stick with Jingle Bells in 2021, letting kids actually sing and enjoy the song Jingle Bells at Christmas. What is wrong with people? So... She also says, by the way, that she's, uh, I've made the difficult decision to acknowledge my ignorance. She's got some of that. I've made strides to change the repertoire I use and pass on to future and current music educators. Good. Really. Thanks a lot, uh, Professor uh, Kate. Uh, She will also refrain from teaching songs like Oh Susanna and America, which also goes by the name of My Country, Tis of Thee. That song is a different issue in which it is sung from the white colonizer perspective uh, most native americans who know the song find it hurtful as it erases their stories entirely i don't feel the need to preserve the music i would rather promote songs that were in, that are inclusive than promote songs that hurt uh, uh that uh, yeah promote songs that although they may have been popular also marginalize and degrade a population Also, I don't feel the need to use these songs as a vehicle to address racism. I don't want my students of color to bear the burden of explaining why these songs are racist, potentially requiring them to defend themselves in class. In fact, some may argue that having these kinds of conversations in class is centering a white perspective, making the assumption that there is no harm or trauma in opening academic conversations about these songs. I apologize to my students to whom I taught these songs, and even more, I apologize to those who quietly knew these songs, uh, knew these things about the songs I taught, but never felt comfortable speaking up. I can do better. I will continue to do better. That's Kate Pollard. You've got to be glad that out there at the uh, University of Nevada, Reno, they will be told that Jingle Bells will no longer be a, a song that they will be singing at Christmas time. That's what's going on at your various institutions of higher learning in 2021. I'll be right back. that micro support you need for all day comfort and help prevent fatigue.
1: Not only that, my slippers are made with high quality leather and a premium indoor outdoor sole that make them extremely durable. I personally guarantee they're going to be the most comfortable slippers you'll ever own.
3: This is John Steyerwald. Visit mypillow.com for deep discounts on all my pillow products, including the new My Slippers. Click the radio listener square and enter promo code STAG or call 800 716 8087. Remember, use that promo code STAG.
0: Few moments bring you joy, like opening your inbox after you've done your taxes, clicking the subject line, and reading that one email you've been waiting for. So what? Someone already filed my return? During tax season, your personal info, like your name or social security number, is all right there on your tax forms, possibly getting emailed and shared more than usual. And that could leave you exposed to identity thieves, Good thing LifeLock monitors your personal info, alerts you to possible suspicious activity, and if you become a victim of identity theft, a dedicated U.S.-based specialist will work to fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but LifeLock helps you keep what's yours. Join today and save up to 25% off your first year at LifeLock.com with promo code SMART. That's promo code
6: SMART for 25% off at LifeLock.com. Have you heard? Rodents are taking over. According to various news articles, recent COVID-19-related disruptions have caused abnormal behaviour in rodents, making them become more aggressive. Don't let your home or business be invaded with a disease-carrying rodent infestation. Keep them away with Plug-In Pest Free. G'day, I'm Scott from Plug-In Pest Free, Go, pestfree.com promo code PEN. Don't spray and regret. Plug in and forget. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The Answer.
3: I guess we should uh, spend a minute here talking about a little minor story today that uh, came out uh, this morning. The Democrats decided they want to add four more uh, justices to the Supreme Court. Nothing, not a big deal. Just, uh, you know, just add and make it go from 9 to 13 and let Joe Biden appoint the, the next four so that they take the lead 7 to 6. That's um, that's what they proposed. Uh, and uh, Senator Ed Markey from Massachusetts um uh House Judiciary Committee chairman uh, Jerry Nadler who may be the most nauseating person in the history of American government he was involved in it but they um they uh proposed it today not proposed they said they're going to you know pr- present a bill and Nancy Pelosi said she's not going to let it come to the floor but here's the thing uh Joe Biden he's not ready to say whether he supports that legislation uh he's said he's going to wait until the f- he hears the findings of the bipartisan, supposedly bipartisan commission that he he, he impaneled last week, uh, and look, everybody knows what's going on here. I hope that uh, Joe Biden knew exactly what was coming today, so that's why he proposed the uh, the bipartisan commission, so that he wouldn't have to answer questions today about where he stands on the issue. He can put it off for six more months uh, at least. Um, but uh, if he were, if he had a clue. His, and if he was really interested in unity, his answer would have been, no, I'm not supporting that. I think it's ridiculous. It's a boneheaded idea, which is exactly what he called it. I don't know when, how long ago it was, but he's out there on video uh, 20 years ago. I don't know how, how long ago it was, um, but he, he's on record as having called it a boneheaded idea. But uh, he's not ready to call it a boneheaded idea now. He's uh, he's going to wait for this um, for this bipartisan commission that he impended. Now, what do you think the chances are that he would pick a com- he would appoint a commission, or anybody on the Democratic side would um, appoint a commission to, to to look into this and make a dec- not a decision, but a recommendation on their findings. What do you think the chances are that he would appoint someone who would uh, come up with the conclusion that there should not be more uh, uh, people on the Supreme Court there's no there's no way on this earth that that commission is going to come back in six months and say you know Joe we uh, we look we really looked at this and you know what I think we ought to just uh, let's just keep it with nine that's worked okay since whatever it is 1869 or whatever it was the last time it was changed just uh, you know I, I think Joe, you know, it was a nice try. we spent a lot of time. we did a lot of work, you know, after looking at everything, it might just be a good idea to just stick with what we have. What do you think the chances are of that happening? I would say zero uh, and of course, uh, Jen Saki, who's one of the whoa, she hard to watch, uh, she was asked about this, and she said that uh, just last week the President signed an executive order creating the bipartisan commission on the Supreme Court, and he 's going to uh wait to uh he's he's, he he says he certainly understands members of congress have a range of views and they're going to propose legislation he may or may not support it so there you go that's what he's going to say uh and here's what's happening there okay this is what's happened this is a to me this is a as far as i'm concerned this is just another indication of the drastic need for term limits these creeps like um, like uh, Jerry Nadler and you know even the guys on the Republican side who have just been around way too long, they forget. I think they forget what they're doing. They they forget that what they do affects the lives of millions of people, and they're 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 in this bubble of Washington. They've been there for so long that the only thing that the Repu- the Democrats are focused on now is getting back at the Republicans for what they did with Derek Garland. And what they did with appointing a Supreme Court uh, justice uh, 20 minutes before the election back in November—that's what they're focusing on. And and, and they're looking. They're going to win this. They're going to. It's they're they're it's it's a contest. It's a, it's one-upsmanship or one-ups up one-ups personship. I guess you're supposed to call it now. Uh, that's what's going on. And they they know that it's a stupid idea, but they they can't stand the fact that the Republicans have a, a, a 6-3 Supreme Court right now. And it's, it's not because they fear what it's going to do for the country. It's because they want to be the side that wins this argument, and they have the power now, and they're going to show the Republicans what the price is for what they did to them six months ago. That's, that's what this is all about. It's just a, a, a gigantic advertisement for term limits. Why don't they discuss that? When's somebody going to discuss that in Washington? Maybe it's time for all of us to get out of here. Wouldn't that be nice? That would be a good discussion to have. Maybe we can discuss it tomorrow. I'll talk to you later.
1: The John Staggerwald Show is a production of the Antair Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.